You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From August the 30th, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is selected verses from the book of Haggai. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, saying, Is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider how you have fared. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And you that earn wages, earn wages to put them into a bag with holes. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month. And in the second year of King Darius, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet now, take courage, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take courage, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit abides among you. Do not fear. As I already mentioned, this is the final week of my summer series. I've called it the Summer Between Adventures in Liminality. And liminality is that threshold between what was and what is yet to come. And I've felt like we've been in this liminal space between what the world was like before the pandemic and whatever it's going to be on the other side. I've said that a few times this summer. That'll be the last time. Are you going to miss it? No. Um, So just for a reminder, if you've kind of been with me on this journey through the Old Testament, here here are some of the things that we've we've looked at. We started in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, that liminal space between God speaking and the world being. We looked at the stories of Noah, of Abraham and Sarah, of Jacob and Joseph and Moses. We studied the stories of the people of Israel in the desert and of Rahab hanging that scarlet cord outside her apartment window. We explored the stories of the prophets Elijah and of Jonah. And a common theme in all of these stories is that throughout the course of histories, we humans have been living in liminal space. We have always been between what was and what is next. Sometimes it feels more palpable than at other times, though, doesn't it? Like now, perhaps? And 
my first grader at school is learning that every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so we have a beginning, we have a middle, and we have an end. And if you're human, and if you are listening to me, guess where you are in your life story? You are somewhere in the middle, aren't you? The story is not yet resolved. We just don't know what the next chapters hold. And that's the way it has always been and always will be forever and ever. Amen. And so this year, this 2020, uh, a lot of people are saying that 2020 has been the best year yet said no one ever <laughs> that this 2020 um, is is a strange and sometimes challenging and, and difficult journey that we've been on this past year um, but it's it's a backdrop isn't it it's a setting for your life's story as it unfolds it's it's part of the context in which you are living your life and then we collectively are living our lives together we're writing the story as a people, uh, as a nation, as a community, as a church, the church global, as well as the local church, our chapel by the sea. And so this week, our scripture lesson is from Haggai, and we find the children of Israel, like we are, the children of Israel are writing their story, the story of their nation, the story of their faith community. And Haggai is one of the shortest books in the Bible. It's only two chapters long. It's, um, I think, 38 verses only. It's 1,131 words, which is shorter than most of my sermons. So maybe you'll go home and read the entirety of, of Haggai when you get home. But it's one of the shortest books of the Bible. Um, anybody remember ever hearing a sermon preached from Haggai? Yeah, me neither. And this is the first sermon I've ever preached from Haggai. So we're all in this together. Wish me luck. Now, to understand Haggai, it's important to understand the context of what's happening in Israel at this time. And so I've got this written down. I've got the history of Israel in a paragraph. So here it goes. You know about the Israelites being slaves in Egypt and Moses leading them out of Egypt, Joshua leading them to conquer the land flowing with milk and honey, and the Israelites making their home in Canaan, right? And eventually they establish a monarchy. Do, 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 do. Jerusalem becomes the capital under King David, and David's son, King Solomon, uh, builds the glorious first temple. I don't know how he had time to do that because he had 700 wives. Imagine the honeydew list he had. The kingdom then splits Israel in the north and Judah with Jerusalem in the south. Then Israel is crushed by the Assyrians. Judah in the south is conquered by the Babylonians. And Jerusalem is utterly destroyed, completely burnt, demolished to the ground. And that glorious first temple that Solomon somehow built in between wives, reduced to rubble. And most of the Jews at that time were taken captive and shipped off to Babylonia, where they would spend 70 years in Babylon. And then the Persians come, and they conquer Babylonia, and the Persians allow the Israelites to return to the destroyed city, to the destroyed temple there in Jerusalem. So that's the backdrop. Are you with me? Whew. The history of Israel in one paragraph. So now we're in Haggai, and it's some uh, 16, 17, 18 years after the Israelites began their return to the demolished city. 16, 18 years. 
And this prophet named Haggai, he um, apparently had witnessed the former glory of Jerusalem and, and the temple. We can kind of infer that by what he says. And he's been probably exiled for 70 years, and now he's back with the rest of his Israelites in Jerusalem. So that makes him what? How old? Late 70s, maybe in his 80s, Haggai? So, if, you know, if you're in that age range, there's still work for you to do, just saying. And so Haggai is looking around and he's seeing his, his countrymen, so to speak. And he's witnessing what, what they're doing in these 16 to 18 years after returning to Jerusalem. And he says, you guys have been focused on rebuilding your lives as individuals. But now it's time to do the work of rebuilding the temple. Now the temple in Jerusalem, it was not only the center of religious life, but it was the center of their national identity their community life. It was everything. And Haggai's saying, you've been, you've been working to rebuild your lives, and, and, and it's, it, how's that working out for you, he says. Apparently not real good. He says, now it's time to rebuild the temple. It's time to focus less on our individual needs and more on our community needs. And here's the word of the Lord, work. Work, the Lord says through the prophet. Now, where do we find ourselves in this story? Well, luckily, our country hasn't been taken over by another global superpower. So that's something, right? Yay! Celebration! So there's that. But we have been exiled, haven't we? We've been exiled into our own homes over these past few months. And some of you, if you're worshiping with us online, you maybe are still exiled into your own home. I know people within our church haven't even been allowed to leave their building since early March. And so they're still at home exiled. And some of you um, on the other end of the spectrum kind of like living as if nothing's ever happened. Maybe you'll, oh, you'll wear a mask because it's a countywide mandate, but otherwise it's like nothing's ever happened. And then somewhere in the middle are, are the rest of us sort of some more cautious than others, and it's interesting to watch where people are on that spectrum, isn't it? Kind of where people are uh, with, related to their caution with this pandemic. But, but at some level, many of us are returning from exile, just like little by little, returning to Jerusalem from being exiled in Babylon, trickle. They didn't come all at once, but little by little, they re-entered Jerusalem, just like little by little, re we are re-entering our society. And so we know a little something about uh, turning inward. If you're like me, you've turned a little inward during this time. You've had to focus on your health. You've had to focus on the health of your loved ones. That's, that's what we need to be doing right now. We need to focus on our health. Some of us have lost jobs, and so you kind of had to turn inward and, and kind of hunker down and stop the spending and, and stuff like that. Some of us, have we, as we've been spending more time at home, have uh, done home improvement projects. The home improvement industry has been doing pretty well over the past few months. Anybody done a home improvement project over the past few months? I have, yeah, a few of you. Others have, uh, others have you know, increased their savings during this time. Did you know in April, our nation hit a record high in savings, in individual savings, back in April? So some people have been saving up during this time. And so these are all kind of individual efforts that we've done, which has been understandable. I know that's been some of what I've done over these past few months. You want to know something else I've kind of recognized about myself during these times? When, when we first, uh, the, the board and I, first decided to 
suspend corporate worship and we were only going to do on- online worship, I was, I, was, I was high energy. I was like, we got this. We're going we're gonna to turn this church online. Here we go. And so I spent hours upon hours, I, you know, I, I write the sermon, record the sermon, and then I taught myself how to do video editing. And you know the final product you saw when we were doing pre-recorded worship? That final product, it wasn't perfect. It was the best I had. But you know how many mistakes I made along the way to get there? And, and I was writing daily devotionals, and, and, and I, was, I felt like I carried the weight of keeping the church together on my shoulders. And then one day I crashed. I just, I couldn't, I, I barely got out of bed that day. And I knew that something had to change. And I started thinking, you know, maybe it's not all on me. You know, come to think of it, you know, the choir, they've been working really hard, figuring out this new software to put uh, four-part harmony together on this app. And Ron's been working really hard to figure out how to make some music happen. So he's, he's carrying a lot of this load. And then I thought, you know, Joe, Joe, our education director, he has, he has worked really hard to figure out how to take our classes online and using this Zoom platform to make sure we can have small group interaction. Joe's worked really hard, and then I n- knew about you calling each other. I knew about you writing letters and checking up on each other. And I thought, you know, I'd, I don't have to carry the care for our congregation on my shoulders. And then I saw that you continued to give just like ever before. And, and I realized this isn't my church, nor is it your church. This church is God's church. This church has been here long before me. It will be here long after me. This is God's church. And we get to be a part of it for a little while. What a blessing. And so I discovered in that time that the greatest gift that the church can give to people isn't my erudite sermons, as fantastic as they are. Nor is it the wonderful music that our choir is getting ready and getting geared up to perform in the next few months, although it's amazing. And it's not even the community that you create among yourselves. All these are wonderful things, maybe except for the sermons. (laughs) But you know the greatest gift that the church can give to people? The greatest gift of the church to the people is the opportunity to participate in what God is doing in the world. You see, we are meaning-seeking creatures. We are unique among species, to my knowledge, that we are the only people, the only creatures, that is, that can anticipate our own death. And so in light of that, we seek to find ourselves immersed, engaged in something that will outlast us. And you know what's going to outlast us? The church global. It has been, it will be, it may change as the world changes, but it will be forever. And this local church expression, this chapel by the sea, Whatever happens to it is up to, it's up to us. We get to participate in the future of what this church is going to be. How exciting. We get to participate in that. It gives us meaning for our life. Richard Rohr, Father Richard Rohr, has been writing, I follow his daily devotional some, and he's been writing lately uh, about the cyclical nature of faith and of the church and of systems in general. 
And the cyclical nature is this. You start with order. You go to disorder to reorder. Order, disorder, reorder. And this is the cycle. And this church has been through several cycles of this. And the church uh, global has been through hundreds upon hundreds of cycles of order, disorder, and reorder. And we're, I think we're in the reorder phase right now, don't you? Back in March and April, we were disordered. We were scattered. And now we're reordering. We're figuring out what it looks like for the next few years. We get to be a part of building something special. The other day, the marketing team and I sat down and started talking about some things. And one of the things I brought up was, was Christmas Eve. What are we going to do Christmas Eve? What's it going to look like Christmas Eve? It's hard to know. If it's like it is now... It's going to be really hard to come in here and sing the Christmas carols together with 600 of our closest friends, right? That's going to be pretty dangerous. And so we started talking about maybe we could do Christmas Eve service outside at some outdoor venue and, and trying to figure out what, how we're going to be able to sing Christmas carols together. And one of the people on the marketing team said in a sad, maybe despondent sort of way, You know, it just dawned on me that the church, as I've known it, is no more. And we were all kind of quiet and nobody disagreed. But here's the hopeful thing. And I don't want to diminish the grief because I've grieved. And maybe you're grieving. Here's the hopeful thing. Maybe it won't be like it has always been. But you and I, we get to build whatever is next. We get to be a part of that great reordering process. And there are hopeful hints even now. Here's one. Nikki Walton started her meditation class, I think, back in the fall. And I think maybe she she met right here in this uh, small chapel. I think probably at the max she had about 20 people, something like that. Well, I contacted Nikki and I said, "How's how's that going? How's that meditation class going? Because now she's doing it online. She said, oh, I have 800 registered and about 200 participants every week. What? That's hopeful, right? Joe, in creating online opportunities for education classes, did you know that we have more engagement in our Christian education program this summer than we ever have, to my knowledge? All online. Isn't that cool? The final thing is, I wanted to compare our online worship engagement, those of you worshiping with us online, uh, last Sunday compared to the same Sunday a year prior in 2019. Did you know we have a 276% increase in online worship engagement? Two, I, I couldn't do that math. I had to use a calculator. That's all. 276% increase from a year ago in online worship. These are hopeful signs. Maybe it's not going to look like it did a year ago, but, but you and I, we get to build whatever comes next, and this church is not dead. Can I get an amen? amen? This church is not dead. This church is alive. This church is strong. This church is well. Thanks be to you, and thanks be to God for allowing us to be a part of it. Last year when we said uh, goodbye to the snowbirds, we said, see you next year, and then we kind of, forgot about them (laughs) until they showed up in the next year this year it's totally different when we said goodbye to the snowbirds we said see you next week on zoom 
We've learned, we've been forced to learn how to connect with our broader church family, not just during the spring, but all year long. This church has gone global, people. I told you it would, and it did way faster than I intended. It's exciting to be a part of what God is doing in the here and now. This church will rise strong. We don't know how exactly that'll look, but I believe that it's true. And you know what God says through the prophet to the people? Work. My presence abides. Do not fear. I close with a verse from the book of Isaiah, spoken to a people who were also in the reordering process. Beauty for ashes, the prophet writes. A joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In your righteousness you will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Thanks be to God that we get to do this work together. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.